0: Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances, presented by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional, located in Princeton, New Jersey, and can be uh, reached through our website, which is www.cwmi.us, or you can call me directly at 609-716-4700. And this week, we are very pleased to have with us uh, Richard Nakbar who is an independent college and graduate school admissions ad- advisor based in central New Jersey and founder of Educate Quest, providing timely advice on the college search and parent-oriented profiles of colleges and universities. Stewart has served higher education for nearly three decades as a writer, urban economic development professional, and software marketing executive. His exper- expertise helps families consider uh, academies, costs, uh, housing, student success, career development, networking opportunities, and more. Uh, his uh, work enables college graduates and their parents to get the best return on their investment in an education and advance towards uh, rewarding careers. And I know uh, just from a financial planning perspective, I'll just touch on that just for a minute, because one thing that we've noticed uh, from a planning perspective, of course really to kind of project these costs and i know that the, the education is kind of evolving and people are doing much more of a, a cost benefit analysis on what they do with their education and where they go and do i immediately go to a four-year college and all that and i'm sure you're going to get into a lot of this but i know it's a conversation that is definitely changed over the years especially if you've been, you know since you've been doing this three decades i'm sure you've seen significant change about like i know when i went to school it was like you're going to college it's a four-year college and you know get in and just go right and and it wasn't I didn't feel like it, it didn't at least because I was young at the time. But it didn't feel like an overwhelming burden to the family. I mean, it was a burden, but it didn't feel like it was going to like crush you. Nowadays, uh, people have to think about it, right? They really have to plan for it and think about it a little bit more and decide is that career something I want to do and am I going to actually get a return to justify all these funds that we're paying for it? So, um, you know, we'll, I guess we'll start right now. Just like, how do you analyze all this? Because when I have a child, because we tell people as soon as you have the baby. Congratulations! Here's your five twenty nine. year savings plan. Let's let's because you need to start early, right? And get the grandparents involved and get everybody involved. and Say, okay, you know, Susie's wonderful little cute little little girl, right? But but one day there's a good chance she may want to go to college, and you know, what do we do, right? So, what are your thoughts about? it?
1: Get her a tennis racket, get her a tell tennis her practice, racket. or give her singing lessons. No. Okay, give her singing lessons. No, you, Kurt, you bring up an interesting point. Um, I went. To, I'm a Rutgers alum. I entered Rutgers. I'm embarrassed to say, 41 years ago. And back then, tuition and fees were less than 800 bucks, and uh, room and board was about what a year's worth of books would be Mm -hmm. today. And that was, I would say, about 6% of what my mother and father earned every year. Today, tuition and fees at Rutgers, which is our state university, they would be about 30% of a a family earning about $150,000 a year. So, could you consider tuition and fees? They're over fifteen thousand dollars. You have room and board, and then you have all those other costs that you have to consider. There's the cost you take for granted, like your your kids are on your cell phone plan, they're on your health insurance, and that continues through college. They might be on your car insurance, and colleges don't even consider those in play, in your cost of attendance. Right. Um, there's also the cost that you have of sending your child to college. Um, there, are, some of them are on the bill, like the tuition and fees for mm-hmm. what you get in a classroom in the classroom, but also room and board. If you need a computer, if you need the right software, if you're studying something like nursing where you need supplies to take a, do labs, engineering is the same thing. Um, if you need any kind of special equipment. Architecture is another example. You have CAD software. Any kind of things that software uh, supplies, things you didn't need in high school or because the high school provided for them, mm-hmm. that's on you. Mm. And often colleges underestimate that stuff. Um, obviously, they don't take into account the things you have to take for granted. Your children need either your hair do- their hair done every month right. or so. Um, they eat um, they come yes, home. Yes, they definitely eat. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> but they, they don't. They, they don't I have never seen an estimate, for instance, where you have a kid commuting to Rutgers or Ryder or community college where they take into account the car and the insurance mm-hmm. and the gas correctly. Mm-hmm. So the colleges make their own estimate of cost. They make their own estimates of need using the information from the financial aid forms that you provide. They also make their own estimates of how much aid you qualify for. You can go and to the college board. There's a calculator uh, on their website on um, Big Future that gives you an expected family contribution as if your child was going to college next year. Mm-hmm. Of course, if your child is a junior in high school, they won't be in college for another two years, so you have to figure ahead right. that the tuition and fees are going to go up, the room and board is going to go up. Mm-hmm. But then you get back a number, okay. and you said it's a calculator. Where yeah, it's again? a calculator. Where's that calculator again? The College Board has a site um, called Big Future. Big Future, okay. and you could find it's called an Expected Family Contribution Calculator. Okay. You can also Google College Board Expected Family Contribution Calculator, okay. and you it's free. They right. won't ask you to register. They won't okay. ask you for a credit card number. Well, it's a nice tool. Okay. It, it's very easy. Right. And you'll get back a preliminary number. Mm-hmm. And that number is based on the calculations that says, what is your family expected to pay for college? I rarely know families in Central Jersey that like that number. It's normally higher. It's <laughs> a very big number. <laughs> that, 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 that usually is, very, is higher than they would expect it to be. Right. There are also families, obviously, that when, if your family earns less than $26,000 in a year, your expected family contribution is, should be zero. Mm-hmm. What happens, though, is colleges not only estimate their costs, they also estimate your need. And your need is going to depend on where you rank in the admitted students pool, mm-hmm. um, how much money the college actually has, what other programs that the college does not offer that you qualify for. A lot of kids who go to college in New Jersey... They might qualify for state scholarship money. That's a grant that you don't have to pay back. Right. State of New Jersey gives you that money. Mm-hmm. They may qualify for what the, the federal government calls a Pell Grant. Right. If you take the largest state scholarship award in New Jersey and you take the maximum Pell, they can't actually come pretty close to paying in-state tuition and fees to Rutgers. New Jersey's a pretty good state right. when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, some colleges within New Jersey, Rutgers is a good example, Ramapo is an, and TCNJ are good examples. They even have educational opportunity funds okay. that supplement um, what the scholarship covers. So if you're short of money for books, there may be a, a, a fund that you could tap occasionally for help. Um, the, that's for the most disadvantaged students. For the rest of us, we have to figure out how we're going to cover the how we're going to cover the costs we have right are we going to are we going to pay for them right are we going to cover them through merit based aid are we going to go into savings we have are we going to borrow mm-hmm. is my son or daughter going to work and typically i don't recommend a fresh a college freshman working more than 10 to 15 hours a week right because they have to get used to going to college and if you're, if you're at the point you need to struggle financially to pay for this, you are like, you don't want to work too many hours that you struggle academically. Right. So you want to be very, very careful how you manage your time. Mm-hmm. And then especially if you're like a, the recruited tennis player, like that young woman <laughs> might become, you have, to, you have an even tighter constraint on your time because you have to manage practice right. and school. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy. No, definitely not. So, those are, so there are different things you have to consider, but know what your expected family contribution is mm-hmm. as a starting point before you consider one, even one college. Right. Just so you know, if a college, and then if, if you know your expected family contribution is, say, $40,000, all right, Rutgers will expect you to pay everything. Mm-hmm. The College of New Jersey probably will expect you to pay everything. Ryder, you might qualify for ten dollars to $15,000, depending mm-hmm. on what they estimate is cost, some of that might be scholarship money. Mm-hmm. You also have to look at merit awards because for two reasons. One, sometimes they fill part of need. And two, you have to earn grades. Right. Most schools will say you need a B average or higher to continue a merit award. I've seen schools, though, that say a 275, Right. I've seen schools that say good academic standing. But before you even accept the award, make sure you can maintain the grades. Right. Because some majors, it's a little harder than others to do that. If you walk in from being a high school senior in Mercer County in a public school to the freshman year of an engineering curriculum somewhere, yes, you took advanced chemistry. Yes, you took physics. Yes, you took calculus. But you didn't take it in college. Right. And the college professor is often going to go faster mm-hmm. and expect more to get an A than you had to do in high school. And that professor, unlike your high school teacher, isn't going to know your name. So it's not going to say, hey, hey Kurt, you know, you've had a, you know, we know, we see that you're, you've been getting A's, and then you got a B minus on this test. What's happening with you? And right. you'll talk about something in your life, and they'll, they'll give you a pass on the test. They'll say, Oh, right. yeah, we'll throw that one away. That doesn't happen in college right. as often they definitely a different well.
0: experience yeah so i appreciate you kind of ran down that, like the overview of what we need to, to look out for and is, of course financing is very important and how you do that and we'll get into a little more detail about some of that when we come back from the break here in just a few minutes welcome back you're listening to master your finances i am kurt baker here with stuart nakbar of educate quest and we've been kind of going through some of the uh, you know essentially the basics of um, you know thinking about college and what you need to do with some of the expenses and some of the analysis I know one of the things you did is you you talked about um, how a college might estimate your costs as opposed to how you might estimate your costs. And how does that matter, so to speak, when it comes time to actually go get some of these different funding sources like the Pell Grant, the state grants, these other things? Like, what does it matter whether or not they count that number or not? And can I do anything about it if they calculate it differently than I do?
1: Okay. um, I'll take these one at a time. Colleges do an estimate of what's called their total cost of attendance, And you can find that by usually by Googling the school's name and the words total cost of attendance to go right to the page. That's going to tell you the charges that appear on the bill, which is your tuition and fees. Mm -hmm. It's going to also tell you room and board if you're going to be living on campus. There will usually be an estimate for books, for transportation to and from home, and sometimes what they call miscellaneous. And miscellaneous could be anything from what you need for your computer, mm. to what you need for clothes, to what kids spend for entertainment—usually that miscellaneous number is where you get trapped, because that is a fairly low number when you consider things like clothes, healthcare, um, getting haircut or getting a hairstyled, going out, socializing, and obviously that goes up when you get past twenty one. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get tickets for sports events. You want to, and it also depends on where you go to school. There's a lot more to do in a, where you if you're in or near a city, than there is if you're in a rural area where you, the college is the whole focal point of they entertainment for and culture. Don't anymore. <laughs> 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 they they have penalties for the, okay. on the cow on the cow side, and, and not only that, the cow tippers <laughs> they, they suffer some penalties that are not written down. Exactly. <laughs> like, There's <laughs> lore it's kind of like Harry Potter, you know, this right. lore of Hogwarts, this lore with cow tipping. Exactly. But what, what happens is that those, you have cost of living somewhere. The other thing, too, is let's say you go to college in New York City. Most of those schools like NYU, you don't live on campus every year. So guess what? You get maybe after your freshman, sophomore year, you have to go into the New York City real estate market. Oh, wow. So if that can you imagine, yeah, and 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 I usually kids know other kids, and they talk about okay, we're graduating. Mm-hmm. You can move into this apartment. Okay, you know we'll work it with the landlord. You don't have to go through a broker. If you have to go through the New York real estate market, like a recent grad, where you pay a broker to right. match you with a roommate and do all these um, things to help you find Networking something. Networking becomes
0: very important if you're trying yeah. to look for real estate. And it becomes something. expensive. Right. Right. A
1: yeah. lot of other schools, though, there's housing on campus. Mm-hmm. And when I went to Rutgers, the dining hall food wasn't very good. It's a lot better now. But I remember being a uh, going from sophomore year, anxious to be a junior. I looked forward to not eating in that dining hall every day. Right. But most people, um, you have to get used to cooking. But in other places... Um, like a college town, the housing could, uh, cost could actually go down. You go from living in a dorm where you might be in a room with one other person to sharing a house with a few of your friends, mm-hmm. the cost of sharing that house might be less. Okay. Some people pledge fraternities, sororities, they have dues mm-hmm. on top of the housing, but sometimes the costs work out depending on the organization and depending on the school's policies. So you're going to have cost of living, that go up or down. Mm -hmm. You might also have education costs that go up. Now, you could go to Rutgers and be in the engineering school. You pay more for studying engineering because the curriculum has more materials. There's labs, there's uh, recitation sections. If you go to some other schools, you might be going into an accelerated program where you're gonna be taking graduate level courses as a college junior or senior. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you pay the undergraduate fee, so you're getting a nice discount off what they charge a grad student. But often for the last year or so of those programs, you're paying what a grad student pays. Mm -hmm. So you you can borrow like a grad student then, but you're paying what a grad student would pay. So you're going to have bumps in tuition and fees that might come after declaring your major Mm -hmm. that also follow the tuition and fee increases the college gives you. So a school might say, okay, we're going to raise tuition and fees for our base rate by 1%, but for those who are going to be juniors, declared majors in the business school or the College of Engineering, they're going up another $1,000 because they're now using our career services. Hmm. They're using our lab spaces for independent projects. They're working more closely with our faculty. They're more likely to graduate because they've got at least half their credits in. Let's hope so and they've made a commitment to the major. <laughs> right. So they they've had to work at it they've worked at it and they've earned the right to finish an engineering degree which is not only a right I should say it's a privilege because mm-hmm. it's a very very hard major. My father was a chemical engineer when he graduated from NYU there were only 7 chemical engineers in his class wow. in 1952. Obviously there's a lot more people there's a lot more chemistry and engineering mm-hmm. to know but it's a very, very hard major. So you have the privilege of earning a degree in a very demanding major that employers want to hire Mm -hmm. you for. And the other thing in the last two years is you have a chance to earn more money. Whether it's through an internship because you've declared your major, you've been doing well in school. You might have what's called cooperative education. Uh, Rutgers has it um, in the engineering school. Drexel has it for a lot of their majors you go for a quarter or semester of work where you're getting paid to work full-time and and you go to school full-time. Work and school, work and school for a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. But you you graduate with a resume with some progressive work experience. So if you knew I wanted to be in computer science or I wanted to be in electrical engineering as a sophomore and you have these experiences particularly if they're with the same employer, where the employer trusted you more and more right. to do more and more complicated tasks, take on more responsibility, that employer may hire you. Right. Or another employer may offer you more money. They may say, Wow, you did really well here, but you know, we could they compete against us. So we could use you, you know, and, and we'll offer you more mm-hmm. to become part of our company. So you're you're paying extra later for the school to help you find employment or for them to help you go to graduate school, go to law school, go to medical school. Wow. So, That's,
0: yeah, it's quite a, yeah, so I'm gonna go back to the beginning a little bit because I know when people um, start to like think about school and I, you, I, especially um, right now, most of the seniors probably figured out where they're going hopefully, but but there's a process, right? So obviously, you know, your grades are important. You gotta create the resume and the balanced resume. And you know, you, they, want, they like well-rounded people and, and showing um, so what do you recommend as far as the students getting ready? And then once they're getting that point in time where they're going to apply, is there some kind of number that's kind of recommended? Because I know every once in a while I hear about these people that, like, apply to, it seems like, literally 20 to 30 schools. To me, that just sounds like too much. I mean, I, I mean, I would hope you can narrow that a little bit before you start actually getting serious about the applications. Um, you know, and then maybe we'll talk about how some of these grants and things that we talked about, how all those pieces fit together once you sure. get near the end. Um, okay. So preparation, I guess, first, what are right. some best practices as far as people getting ready? Because uh, you don't necessarily know what you want to do when you're a junior or senior in high school, right? You you're kind of limited things you can do as far as prepping for your career. But there are some things you can do, right? Well, I,
1: I think there's quite a few things. First of all, think about the things that mean the most to you. Mm-hmm. Is some Is it something that's a hobby that might be a career? Is it something that it might not be a career, but it's important to have at a college? Uh, that's the first thing. Second thing, you got to look at the transcript. How are you doing in school up mm-hmm. to this point? Have you been taking? If you're a freshman, usually you're not taking advanced placement courses. You're not going for college credit. Right. But were you placed in honors courses off your achievements in the seventh and eighth grade? Mm-hmm. Did you take Spanish or French or the or another language when you were a seventh and eighth grader? So in the ninth grade, you were a sophomore in the foreign language. Same thing in mathematics. A lot of kids take algebra in the eighth grade now. That almost never happened when I was in high school. Um, Where Where do you stand in terms of the courses you need to take Mm -hmm. and to graduate? Not only to graduate high school, but also to graduate and get into the kind of school you want to go to. If you wanted to be, if you're oriented towards science and engineering, obviously you should take the hardest math the hardest science courses that your high school offers. If you said, well, I want to be computer engineering, well, maybe you should take computer programming. Because high schools have, in New Jersey, have career-related electives, and they also have economics, personal finance-related electives. You can take, I think, one of the local high schools around here, entrepreneurship, as an elective towards the personal finance credit to get your high school diploma. So let's say you were you were going to be aspire to compete against Google. Mm-hmm. You could take in addition to your core college prep courses, you could take languages in computing. You could take entrepreneurship for it to fulfill a high school diploma requirement. You can take all you can take economics and learn about business. You can take all of these courses that if you take them at the highest possible level, Make a very strong impression on a college. Now, if you want to go to one of the more selective colleges in the land, um, whether it be a military academy or an Ivy League school or something that turns away most of the people that apply, those schools are going to expect excellence in everything. Right. They're not going to. They may forgive you for one marking period where <laughs> you got a C in something, right. But they're not going to forgive you for a bunch of grades. And so right you' really have to plan
0: a little earlier. so I, I know right. we have a, we're going to go through some more of the detail of yes. this here in just a few minutes but yeah so there's a lot of lot to be done as far as like first deciding what you really like and then I guess tailoring your high school career as much as you can towards kind of things that you enjoy and things that you uh, have the talent for right and kind of building that that baseline resume and that way you um, you can at least uh, get somewhat prepared. Um, for the for the college level uh, once you get to that point in time. We'll right exactly. To- you
1: want to ramp up to college. Right. You don't want to say, this isn't about getting into college. Right. This is also about succeeding Right. once you're there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. I'm here with Stuart Nakbar, who is the founder of Educated Quest. And we're talking about really pr- getting ready for college, getting into college, and how to best uh, really – have that whole experience be um, the best experience you can have it be. And, and now I know when we were younger, things were relatively simple, I think, actually looking back. I don't know if it was e- necessarily easy, easy, but it was definitely much easier in my view than it is now. And it seems like every year it seems to get more complicated. So, you know, getting, you know, doing the things in high school to kind of lean towards the things you enjoy, getting, um, you know, as much education as you can before you actually get to the college level. So you at least had some of those topics ahead of time. Uh, certainly is not is gonna help you, it's not gonna hurt you to have to be prepared as much as you can. And um one of the things that I see now and it seems like I remember when I went, I think I applied for it was either three or four or something. I wanted a federal an appointment to an academy and then I had a couple, I had two I had two other colleges that were private and you know were state out of state college and I had one in state college that I knew I could go to pretty much no matter what. Right. So I was pretty sure that one was my my last my default. So I so I guess it was really four or five total. That were even on my radar, but nowadays you hear about kids saying, "Oh, I got into like twenty colleges," and I'm like, "Well, gee, I mean, to me that'd be very stressful." And couldn't, <laughs> couldn't you? Is there some kind of process to maybe use better your time better and the college's time better? What well, I I I,
1: I I think that? you're right. I think I think it's <laughs> be, definitely better better ways to, for a kid to use their time. Right. Because um, college applications, particularly if it's the more selective schools, can be really cumbersome mm-hmm. things. What, I, what I've always recommended is no more than, let's say, 8 to 10 schools, mm-hmm. um, only maybe two being the the dream. Mm-hmm. I walk on this campus, but I know I don't quite have the grades, but All I right. want to try, and I, and I know why I want to be here. Mm-hmm. If you don't know why you want to be at a school, chances are pretty good you're going to be denied. The brand name of a school doesn't carry you forever. It's what you do with the education you get. Um, too often I hear people say, Can I get into an Ivy League school and the answer is okay, they turn away ninety to ninety five percent of the people who want right. to go. Um, you have the grades, but what are you what are you doing that's so extraordinary outside of the classroom that an Ivy League admissions officer is going to say, Well, we must have this person on our campus right. Um because if you look at an Ivy League freshman class you'll have people who competed in the Olympics. People won mathematics and science Olympiads Mm -hmm. at an international level. People who sing Mm. and dance and uh, do drama at an international level. I'm sure we could name actors who have gone to Ivy League schools. Um, If you watched Harry Potter, Emma Watson, who played Hermione, she went to Brown. Um, but right. most of us are not Emma Watson before we get to high school, <laughs> to the, the college. Right. We're not Mayim Bialik, who was uh, Amy Farrah Fowler in the Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most of us, our achievements are more local. They might be more within our school. We might be a student body president, or we might be a newspaper editor. But people who are looking at so many applications, and they only have so much room you know, for a freshman class, they're going to expect more than just hey, I'm the student body president. If you're the student body president who um, raised uh, money um, after a hurricane to help homeless families get you know get resettled again, that that raises your profile. That definitely right. helps you. Mm-hmm. It also says something about you as a person. Um, colleges that are very very selective are looking for what i call ordinary people who are in extraordinary circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean we're all ordinary. We have most of us are ordinary. We have two eyes, two arms, legs. We we have our facilities. But what do we do with the gifts we have? Mm-hmm. And those who have done the most with the gifts they have tend to get into the more selective schools and they tend to survive the admissions process. The other reason i say keep it to about 8 to 10 is these there's lots there's essays with a lot of these schools. The harder the school is to get into, the more likely the admissions process will include essays and interviews. If you wanted to go also to, let's say, the Honors College or the school like Rutgers, there might be some, if there's a scholarship, there might be an interview for that. Um, You have to go through these things. If you apply for private scholarships, like the Gates Millennium, Mm -hmm. there's interviews and essays. There's a lot of work. And you have to be willing to do it. Um, I've run into kids who are very, very good students. Their numbers point to uh, Mm. selective admissions, but they don't like to write. Mm. And if you look at writing as a chore and it shows in your essays, chances are those schools are not going to admit you because they're going to think, well, he doesn't like to write. What's he going to be like when he has to write papers for us Mm -hmm. and for our faculty? Because admissions officers they not only have to craft a class, they have to look out for the faculty right. and make sure they deliver a class that can succeed in their classrooms.
0: Well, is it true that, I mean, I hear this all, I mean, just because you could get into a college isn't necessarily the right personality for you, right? Exactly. Like every school has its own personality, so to speak. Yes. And I think, I think one of the things that uh, sometimes happens, uh, in, from my perspective, is like, they, especially the Ivy League ones, they go, oh, you have to get into one of these select schools and you can have a student who may be smart enough to get into any one of them, but may that may not be their passion. Maybe they actually want to do something that's good. Compl- Maybe they want to go to an art, you know, music school of some kind. I mean, it, it could be completely different than what it is. Because like, sometimes we'll see, like, parents are tracking somebody for, I mean, you hear about, it, like, lawyers and physicians and some of these certain jobs, but that may not be really what the person honestly wants to do. Right. And so I, I think you have to be kind of careful about that. So during this selecting the 8 to 10, Can you get into like what that school really specializes in, and like maybe try to match up what a student might actually want to do? Uh, Because I agree with you that Ivy League names are great. That's fine, but once you're in the industry and you're out there working, people care much more about what you've accomplished in your industry than what school you went to. That's kind of a nice thing to hang on the wall, and it's great. There's nothing wrong with it, obviously. But but they're really concerned more about like. Well, that was like 30 years ago, right? So, you know, what have you been doing since you got out of that school, right? Because that's right, a relatively right. short period of time in your life. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on you're, you're that? Alum,
1: you're actually an alumnus of a school longer than you're, you'll ever be a student. Right, right. But what, what you have to do is, one, look at curriculum. How do you learn? How are you – do you need the teacher in your classroom even to motivate you, stimulate you? Even if you're smart, Right. some kids like – like a feisty dialogue with their, with their teachers, whether it's history, science, even mathematics where there's formulas. Um, some kids are more passive, they'll do the work, they get an A, they turn it in, they get an A. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how engaged do you want to be with a teacher? Do you want to know them? Um, some people don't care about that as mm-hmm. much as others. Um, what extracurricular activities do you want to continue in college? Whether they're for fun, whether they're for personal meaning, whether they're your career, um, are those extracurricular activities? And this is important for athletes helping you finance your education. Right. If you're a heavily recruited football player um, at, at at the Division One level, you're technically getting tuition fees, room and board, and a small allowance for your laundry, your books and your laundry. Um, if you're if you're going to if you know the cost are covered, how? What kind of education are you getting? Will the, how helpful is this school going to be in getting your degree? How good is the advising? Is the curriculum designed for someone who's either very independent or needs a teacher? Um, I know people who can survive large lecture classes and form study groups and make friends and get through the work. But I know other people who would want to go to the teacher. Right. And... That's where colleges are very different. The Ivy League schools, for the most part, at the first two years, they're going to be lectures, just like they're going to be at Rutgers. Um, you're going to have have big classrooms. My younger brother is a Cornell grad. He invited me to his intro psych class, and when I went to visit him, it was a thousand people in around theater a the, in around theater room. Wow, that's a lot. And what's the <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> funnier the funnier thing is, I went to the bookstore after class. I saw a book for a 300-level political science class that juniors would take. It was written by a Rutgers professor. Oh, that's so. That's I'm funny. a Rutgers junior, and I'm thinking, okay, Cordell, they're using Rutgers books. That's really funny. Uh, but you're learning that you're learn, you learn. How do you learn? Do you will you survive in the big school setting, mm-hmm. or do you want the faculty to know you? Do you want the faculty to know you in a way like your high school teachers know you? So when the time comes, you want a fellowship. Right. The grad school. This professor who had you for two or three classes, who believes you're one of the best students she ever had, goes all out, recommend, calls the faculty, her peer at Harvard or Cornell or Penn and recommends you uh, to be one of their students. It yeah. What kinds of relationships do you want? To That's develop? great.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we're all different. And, and I'm glad you pointed all that out because we're all different. We want different class sizes, different kind of personalities. So I think it's very important not just to look at the name of the school. And I think it sounds like you agree with me. It's really about where you are going to fit and how do you fit as far as into the school itself, because ultimately you want to have a good college experience. And when you get out, you'll much be much better prepared for whatever cre- career you decide. We'll be back here in just a few minutes to talk further about uh, college and, and maybe a little bit about like uh, the funding aspect of this. When we come back in just a few okay. minutes. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional, here with Stuart Nakbar of uh, the founder of Educate Quest, and we've been talking about like really how to prepare for college and how to kind of match up to the best colleges uh, that are out there. There's a lot of great schools out there. And no matter what kind of student you are, I'm sure there's a good college you can go to and you'll have a good experience. And I think it's very important to kind of to, to sift through that a little bit. And a lot of this comes back down to something we touched on early in the show is really kind of the funding options. I know from a financial planner's perspective, we talk about like, you know, saving up and putting things away, whether it's a 529 or whatever the options are. There's many options and ways to do it, but there may be some money saved, which is good. Um, but there's a lot of other ways uh, whether or not you prepare for it early on and have, you know, have funding set aside in one shape, way, shape, or form, or you may be uh, thinking about some of these other items that are out there. I'd like for you to kind of go through those again. I know you were talking about those briefly. So you want to kind of go through some of the different funding options that are out there?
1: Okay. Well, first we'll talk about things that reduce your costs. Okay. Um, sort of like getting a coupon. Coupons uh, are good. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, with the federal level, that's what's called a Pell Grant. And, the, and it's a grant. You don't have to pay it back. It reduces the, your cost of going to school, and the, I believe the amount is something like about $6,700. Mm-hmm. It might be a little more, depending on how Congress votes on it right. e- each year. And that's that goes right to the school. It go, it's credited toward your bill. Okay. Um, the next thing is so that the state of New Jersey has state scholarships. They're called tuition aid grants, and they, they're pretty much the same thing. Again, it's to reduce cost. They're going to be given to the school and they're going to be credited to your bill. Um, and it's more
0: on these are more on a needs basis. I'm assuming. Yeah, you have right? to Economic qualify needs based basis, on need. Right? Exactly. So, yeah, the exactly the So I didn't. Yeah. So so based on your income and things like that, and will have some kind of scale that you can go in and, exactly. and request. Exactly. Okay.
1: Exactly. Right. And then, the New Jersey has a program called New Jersey Stars, mm-hmm. which is based on academic performance and and partly on need. Um, where if you go to a community college in New Jersey, you get tuition free. And I think you have to rank in like the top fifteen percent of your class. It mm-hmm. might be a and, and if you earn a three oh or better, the community college continues that in the next year. If you earn a, and then if you earn a three point two five or better, it continues into the last two years at any four year school in New Jersey. You don't get to go for free like to Ryder but you'll get enough of a credit to go to a state-supported school oh, like Rutgers okay. or TCNJ. So those are some ways to reduce your – those are ways that you qualify based on need. Mm-hmm. Colleges also have what's called institutional aid, and the, and the other word for it is gift aid. And it's a gift. You don't have to repay it. And the idea is that whatever sources like your state, the federal government – and the outside's private scholarships that you earned you know, in your community. Um, they supplement and try to fill your need. And if you're lucky, they fill it enough that you don't have to borrow too much, you don't have to work too many hours. Mm-hmm. Then there's merit scholarships. Merit scholarships are entirely based on either academic performance, your grades, or talent. Like if you're a musician, or you're a dramatist, or an artist. Those are often tied to grades. So you have to do well in school to keep the money. Um, as I said before, I've seen it as low as a 2.8. I've, I've heard the phrase good academic standing at a few colleges. Mm-hmm. But most schools are going to expect a B average or better. Okay. Rutgers, the largest award is what's called a presidential scholarship, where it's a full ride. Mm-hmm. It's very, very generous. And I think you have to maintain a 3.25 or a little higher to keep it. Mm-hmm. So you could end up paying Rutgers nothing towards your tuition and fees, room and board. They even give a credit when you move off campus. You could end up paying as close to nothing as possible for a education at a very good state university. But you have to maintain grades. Um, and then there's, of course, like like the military academies where you have to maintain good academic standing, that into itself is very, very hard because you're doing all the military um, exercises and training on top of your education. But those are free. There's work colleges where you work a certain number of hours and you get tuition free. There's very f- a few of those in the country, just not very many. Mm-hmm. And So there are different ways to lower your cost. The most common ways are usually married aid or gift aid. Okay. And the colleges decided they want you Badly enough that they're going to give you a coupon. And if you do well in school, you, they'll continue to give you the coupon each year. What happens, though, is if you slip and you lose the merit aid, the college does not necessarily come and say, okay, we're going to give you gift aid mm-hmm. to make up for it. So you are taking a risk. If the merit aid is filling part of your need, you're taking a real risk that you're going to be able to stay, maintain the grades to stay there. So if you're financially concerned that getting an engineering degree from this school is going to require me to earn a three O every year, and I come from a high school background that I'm not sure I'll earn that that GPA, you you may want to pick a school that's going to be cheaper without any aid at all. Right. This way, and then there you only have to maintain good academic standing. Mm-hmm. So another example, let's say I know. New Jersey is the state that people love to leave. About half the kids who are college bound, college bound students who you know go to college as freshmen leave the state. They go to right. they go to the Delaware. That's the number 1 school. Right. 15 minutes from the border. They're going to the University of Delaware paying twice the tuition. Now is the University of Delaware twice the school as Rutgers. Probably not. It's a very good school. <laughs> right. They do a very good job with their students. Mm-hmm. But If you're worried, wow, we have to stretch and pay twice the tuition, then maybe you should look more closely at the state schools. Um, You you can get a really good education. New Jersey, we're very fortunate. We have colleges that graduate um, more than half of their freshman classes. A lot of states don't have that right right now. And we're very, very lucky here in this state. Um, We have schools like Rutgers and the College of New Jersey. And um, Stockton University and Ramapo that are very supportive of their students and they have very good graduation rates. Montclair State is also improving its graduation rate.
0: I think, I think one thing, I mean, as we're talking about all this, it, it, one thing I think we're, uh, that gets missed a lot the, is the value of the community college system and how that fits into some of these four-year colleges. Like You can actually transfer credits and they have classes on campus and things like that. So, do you wanna, What are your thoughts about that? I know that for, for us it was a great thing. I know a number of people have used the community college system to really uh, don't have to leave home very necessarily. They're close by. They tend to be really good in New Jersey. I know that.
1: Community colleges yeah. are fabulous for two reasons. One, they have agreements with four-year colleges. So if you know, for instance, I want to be a nurse, I want to be an engineer, I want to study accounting, they have an agreement with another a four-year school to transfer in the bachelor's degree, and the courses that are required are specific. So if you want to go from... Mercer Community, a rider. Mm-hmm. There are specific courses Rider accepts, so it's easier for the advisor at the community college. It's easier for you to know what mm-hmm. courses you need to take, right. and then you then you segue into Rider as a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, another another reason they're fabulous is let's say you're not sure if I really want a four year degree. Mm-hmm. I may want a degree that within two years is going to be give me what I need to go to work. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I'll go later and I'll earn a four year degree. Or maybe I'll I'll use the education I have and I'll get into another career that I want to do. Um we have very good um, job training programs in New Jersey and they, they're of great value for the money. Mm-hmm. Um you could you can learn computer science, you could learn things in nursing, you can learn a lot of things and, and still go to work if that's what you'd like to do. So they work well again, if you know I the path you want to go. Right into a four-year school, or if you are interested in a specific training program, mm-hmm. and they work really well for that.
0: Well, that's great. I mean, you've given us a great overview of a lot of options that are available for college, and I think really understanding, um, like, what you enjoy and really kind of prepping as much as you can in high school by taking the different courses that you, you really excel at and enjoy and, and doing extracurricular activities, kind of prepping yourself, and then matching the college up to what you like, the personality of the colleges, the class sizes and what they do and how they are organized, I think is important and how far away it is. And don't forget about the community college, I think is important as well. So I appreciate you coming on today. Is there anything else you want to tell us about as far as uh, coming up here for you?
1: Well, I'm going to be giving a a little longer talk about this stuff on Wednesday, June 12th um, from 5.30 to 6.30. I'll be at Morgan Stanley's offices in Lawrenceville on the third floor. It's 1200 Lennox Drive. Right off Princeton Pike Road, off I ninety, which is off I ninety five, and I'll be. We'll we'll, do, we'll even do a little case study, okay. um, for for some of some of you who have brilliant children out there, who are who are mulling over this problem. But um, it's really important to know your costs and also to know what a school can do for you, and for your child. Because you should graduate with three things: your degree, a direction towards your future and a network that should be there for you for the rest of your life. And that will include, like, your friends that you make in college. It will include your teachers. It will include people who help you find a job, help you get to know other people. Many things. A a good school will give you a good network as well as your education. Absolutely.
0: I have to agree with that, definitely. There's no question about that. Well, I appreciate you listening to Master Your Finances today. I am Kurt Baker, a certified financial plan professional. It can be reached at 609-716-4700. You can listen to this podcast and all the podcasts that we have at MasterYourFinances.us. And remember, together we can master your finances so you can enjoy financial peace of mind.